You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Kelsey Kemp, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Really looking forward to our conversation today. Not to be cheesy, I have been counting down the days. I am so grateful for what you do with this podcast. And I can't tell you how many times I've said, wow, why is it that entertainment is so dark? I wish that there was just a place that told encouraging faith stories. And then I found you. (laughs) (laughs) That is so cheesy. I know, but it's real. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and intro you with a couple paragraphs that you shared with me, which I think is so appropriate for our conversation today. So in 2017, you wrote that you were a burnt out tech consultant who worried that God's only calling for you was to stay, pray, and pay for the missionaries doing the, quote, real work for God overseas as your health continued to deteriorate in a high-stress job that wasn't aligned with your natural giftings. Desperation caused you to seek the Bible for answers and pray the, quote, God, I'll do anything prayer that changed my life. I love it when we get to that place, by the way, Kelsey. (laughs) It is holy ground. It is holy ground. God answered you, giving you a powerful encounter in which he said, go deploy my soldiers to the stations and society that they were made to serve in. Talk about no small request. Now, that was five years ago. In that time, you've left your job, started work as a career coach, specializing in helping Christians discern their calling and practically land a job that's aligned with it so they can serve with their unique giftings for the glory of God and the good of others. You've gotten to help well over 200 people into jobs they feel called to from 25 to 65 years old, lawyers to school teachers from New York to New Zealand. Okay. I love it. Praise God. Yeah. So let's go into the backstory here. Share a bit about your upbringing. Share about when this happened, and let's uh, see the whole trajectory here, and I'd love for you to share that. Yeah, thank you so much, by the way, for reading all of that. It's special to listen to. I would say a good place to start in terms of context is that I'm an identical twin, and both of my parents and several generations prior to that have all started their own businesses in some way, even if it was my grandmother making it out of middle of nowhere, Louisiana, and starting her own Sears catalog store in a lollipop shop. They always showed so much tenacity. Or another story that stands out to me that I feel like continues to shape my self-perception is my grandfather, my dad's dad, being a very seasoned lieutenant in the Marines. And he always said, he would tell this crazy story of how he was going over enemy lines in Vietnam. And if he was two feet to the right or to the left, the bullets would have gone through him instead of his wings. And he said, as they were about to go over enemy fire to all his men, they said, what should we do? And he said, complete the mission. And my dad has always retold that story to me. And so I thought, I wonder what my mission is going to be in which I can prove resilience and try my best, but I want to live a big life with God. And so I felt that from a really young age, but 
I was so worried that I wouldn't get a special assignment. And so that was a persisting theme of growing up is when am I going to know? Mm-hmm. When am I going to know? And I pursued many different things with a lot of vigor, first being a career as a professional ballet dancer. I really devoted my childhood to that from 6 to 18 years old. I was homeschooled. I trained morning and night. I moved away to a boarding school for that. And it ended up not being it. Right as I was going into preparing for company auditions at 18, the moment it was all culminating to, I broke both of my feet and I was in a wheelchair. No way. And I had such a love, a deep love for that craft and imagined doing that, at least with my early adulthood, that it was very jarring to lose that first dream. And I, even today, I get to work with former elite athletes that wonder how to rebuild after losing their first love in terms of the mission and a passion. And so I would say college, I just did the best I could to do well while I was waiting for that assignment. And so I studied business and still it wasn't coming. And I grieved and I wondered, am I really just going to go be a cog in a machine? And I fasted and I prayed. And similar to something you were telling me before we were recording, I had a job offer from a really renowned consulting firm and I was going to go into their tech consulting department. And I thought, something about this doesn't feel right. Is this really what I'm going to do after college and for the foreseeable future? And I fasted for eight days and ultimately just felt like this is the decision I need to make right now. And so I accepted that job offer. And the next two years that passed, I by no means was fulfilled or experiencing any dream, but that was a good training ground that I am so grateful for. Not very much at the time. It was a very unhappy and unhealthy time in my life. But the thing is, and this is a part of my story, even though the big show-worthy moments happened later, I think Tim Keller says this so well, God's will is more something he does than what he gives. He doesn't have to clue me in all the time to what the purpose of every moment is, but he does have a purpose in them. Lo and behold, it was only in that corporate job that I could become so compassionate and so aware of the need for the mission I fulfill now, which is it broke my heart when I looked around and I saw so many bright people just lose the life behind their eyes, working hard at something that they can do, but not necessarily something that they feel meant to do. Now, am I doing a dig against corporate work? No, definitely not. But are you in the work that you feel best suited to? Mm-hmm. And you feel like there's a reason that compels you behind it. And that was a no for me at the time. Let me circle back on two things. First of all, when you broke both your feet, getting ready to go out and get in the company ballet space, what was it that went through your mind after you processed that happening? I still wonder if I have processed that. I think I was in shock because I actually never made the decision to stop ballet. I kept, I actually had three instances after that of stress fracturing my feet again wow. in five places. And I had three rounds of casts, 
crutches or some variation of wheelchair time throughout that year, my last year of high school at the ballet boarding school. And I kept on coming back and saying, it's just a matter of time. I'm just healing right now, but I will catch up to my classmates and I'm going to be back in the ring. And it was the director of the school that last week in May of my time there in high school that she said, you're not invited back here. You need to stop. You need to stop. And then it was a doctor that same week that said, if you don't stop, your feet will be crippled permanently. And I felt so sad that my spirit wasn't ready to let that go. I don't think it ever was. And I still have a hard time watching the sad thing or the very difficult thing for me was along the lines of being an identical twin, she actually did get to go on and live my dream. She actually did make it through to the company auditions and get an offer and have a good career. That, I think, is just along the lines of this life brings tears, but he wasn't done with me. And it wasn't as if there weren't bright spots ahead that would wipe those tears away. But that was hard. No doubt. The second thing I was going to circle back on is the two-year stint with the firm you were with and the whole idea of process. All of us get involved in seasons of life where we question, what am I doing this for? I don't feel life on it. And then you realize post-season, looking back, that God's hand was absolutely in it to prepare you for the next season. It is true. It is true. So explain what happened when you left corporate America. What was the impetus for that move? I grew up with a lot of messaging in the church I was a part of that I just picked up over time that the point of how to be a good Christian at work or how to be a faithful Christian is to stay where you're planted as if your 22-year-old decision is like, for sure, where you're supposed to stay forever. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be faithful. And so I thought, God, is that really true? And so I worked very hard to adjust my attitude. But what I kept on coming up against was that I'm burning the candle at both ends to keep up because I don't have natural talent here. And so what if a different measure of faithfulness was actually investing your time and talents where they could produce a multiplied impact for others. Let me seize on that. I think that's such a key point. Sometimes we feel disloyal to even ask that question because God gave us what we have right now, right? And it's like, what's in your hands right now? We'll keep investing that. But the reality is, when you look at the parable of the talents, you've been given these gifts. How can you best invest them? And I no doubt would sense that was something you were asking. Absolutely. And another interesting thing about the parable of the talents, which my work is so inspired by, is that the master in that case, which represents God, did not give those servants direct instructions. And there's many Christian thinkers that I really enjoy their point of view that what if God, and I want to say this carefully, but this is more of just a food for thought. What if it isn't the most important thing to God, whether you choose job A or job B, but rather that you have conviction that this is according to what you could discern through knowing the character of God and using practical wisdom. Is this the most faithful use of your life that you could figure right now? And that has multiple expressions, I'm sure. 
So if you're going to use all of your energy to be miserable and spin your wheels at a current job, what if you just went ahead and go ahead and figure out a way to use that energy to just be useful in a way that actually is delightful to you as well? So I think a part of my story was just removing shame that I was so scared to just be a silly entitled millennial. I was very nervous because I wanted to be faithful that all of my petitions to the Lord about give me a calling, give me something big to do was actually coming from a place of entitlement. But again, our motives are never going to be 100% pure. So actually that was another thing that I just released of all right, I'm just going to accept where I'm at. God, can you please, this is just what I want. Can we do something with this? <laughs> and once that started, once my attitude started changing and I stopped overthinking and I just said, I am going to trust that this desire in me is for a reason. So I'm removing shame and I'm just going to start asking you full out, God, please make this happen. And then when the answer didn't automatically come out of the sky, or so clearly, mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, I think I am going to have to do a lot of research and probably figure out practically what is a good career path for me. And so I tried all the things. I read all the books you might think of. I listened to an immense amount of podcasts. I probably listened to hundreds of TED Talks as well. Just seeing if anybody's career story really struck a chord with me. I took all the personality assessments and I still felt confused. And that was the point where what my mom always told me came back to my mind. And she used to echo when I said, I want to be a business owner one day like you guys. She said, remember, necessity is the mother of invention. I had this moment of clarity after trying out all of the conventional things in addition to prayer that I was still stuck. I thought, wow. A lot of other people must be feeling this. So what is the greatest need that I'm feeling right now? It was for somebody to come alongside me and help me get out of theoretical knowledge and just really with confidence and more elegance and speed, figure out what should I do with my career? And when I expressed that need, it clicked to me, oh, that's how I'm supposed to help, isn't it? It was soon after that, as I was pondering that, thought in that question that God encountered me, not in a moment where I was praying. I think it was Valentine's Day. I was alone in a hotel room in Chicago. I was traveling for work for a project and I was just going about my business and the loudest, most profound thought struck me. And I have never forgotten how it felt or what it said. And it was that line that you read off earlier of go deploy my soldiers to the station in society that they were meant to serve in. And that's where the idea turned into a calling. Mm. And I realized this is real. But then similar to Moses's dialogue and not to compare myself to Moses. Oh my gosh, that's embarrassing. But <laughs> I guess to compare myself to that dialogue in Exodus chapters three and four, when Moses is saying, no, not me. I can't go do that. I was journaling and saying, no, God, who am I to go help people in this way when I myself need this help? And he was saying, exactly. You will understand from not a point of expertise at first, but compassion, how important it is to sit with someone through these questions. And so I will help you figure it out for yourself at first. And then you will turn around 
and you will help bring other people through. And I said, who will listen to me? Who will listen to me? And he said, that's none of your business. You have been striving to care for yourself. Now let me care for you. So powerful. This brings back a moment that I experienced several years ago where I was in a high-level mastermind meeting one day. I'm getting ready to leave the mastermind and catch a flight back to where I live. And as I'm getting ready to step up and walk out of the room, the gentleman leading this said, Brian, what do you want to do? Because I told him, I always pray, God, what do you want? What is it you want? Kind of the purpose question, right? And when he said, have you ever considered God asking you, what do you want to do? Whoa, I love that. Yeah. And I, I was floored. I mean, it totally scrambled my thoughts. And I thought to myself, I've never considered that God would want to know what I want to do. The reality is he did put desires in you. And wouldn't it be appropriate to voice those desires just as you've done, Kelsey? And in doing so, you're actually confessing what he created you to be. I love that you put it that way, confessing. It seems like we are, the connotation to me of confessing is just negative things. But actually, I need to just put this out in the open with you, God. This is what I want. Yeah. And then it's almost like this virtuous cycle. As you start speaking what you believe you're created for and these desires, and you share that with the Lord, it, it creates this momentum, I think, between you and Him that He continues to open up ways and means of seeing the truth. And then potentially, this isn't everyone, it would be great if it was, they get that word from the Lord, just like you got to, you said, I'll do anything. And he says, go deploy my soldiers to the stations in society that they were made to serve in. And it's like, boom. Yeah. The point is- Just be honest with God. Yes, that's the point. (laughs) Just be honest with God. And I think we're so afraid, I don't know why, that the God who loves us, who created us, who died for us, is somehow withholding something. You know, it says in Romans, he who did not spare his own son, how will he not with him freely give us all things? We just don't believe that. Yes, I so firmly am in agreement with you. And this is what, it's my joy to get to share with the people I serve now in my career coaching practice that they're surprised that we start with first off, really letting all their fears out in the open, because how can you really be honest about what you want and feel free to express that and explore it with God if you don't just go ahead and address and confess all the things that you're worried about? Like, maybe this is selfish. That was like in my case. Maybe there's really nothing special for me. Maybe God doesn't give everyone directions or something exciting to do in their careers. And just let that out and then invite God in to say, what do you want me to know about this? That's something I learned from Jamie Winship. His book, Living Fearless, is so good. But just confess your fears and then say, what do you want me to know about this? And then maybe you'll be slightly more ready to just confess what you really want. And the people I support, they're like, oh, wow, something in me just didn't, this is so obvious, but if I didn't really realize I could explore things that just give me energy to do mm-hmm. and sound exciting. I was like, that's interesting. So do you think it's a more faithful thing to just feel stuck, stagnant, depressed, 
not at all sounding like uh, a city on a hill or a light that cannot be hidden. And should we just consider things that we hate and feel bad at? Is that the Lord's will for our careers? What does that say about God? Exactly. Yes. It's like we can't experience joy. Self-flagellation is the key. Exactly. And then even in for the many people, and even me, it's just at different points in life, I don't always receive direct instructions or this blessing from above that's very obvious before I go out and do something. But when I think about the parable of the talents, and even just thinking about the living parable of what a good, loving parent wants for their children, do you want your kids, when they get to college, to call home and be like, I'm really not sure about my class schedule. And would you approve of me if I chose this major? And I don't really know. Can can I go date this girl? I'm just not sure. I really want your blessing beforehand. You'd be like, just go make a decision, (laughs) please. And I think that sometimes there is too much of an idol of hearing from the Lord in receiving security from him before you go out and do something. Because even if you did receive the gift of God himself encountering you through a burning bush, we see that even Moses, as he's encountering the living God, he is still fearful and he is still struggling to accept his mission. And he did not feel perfect peace before going out and doing something. Jesus Christ himself did not feel peace before accepting his mission to go die on the cross. He said, please, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. And so I think the idol of, I need to feel perfect peace before I go out and do something, or it can't be a calling from God unless there is no fear, or there can't be any hint of, I might fail at this. That's not true at all. Not even. Yeah. That reminds me of a story that happened years ago. I was completely focused on trying to determine my purpose in life. And I said to the Lord, I'm going to fast until you tell me my purpose, as if somehow by my fasting, it would force him to download this glowing statement of purpose, right? So I'm seven days into this fast and my wife and I and the kids are at Chuck E. Cheese's celebrating one of our kiddos' birthdays and the pizza comes out and I said, Lord, I'm not going to eat that pizza. I'm I'm not going to eat until you tell me my purpose. He says, eat a piece of pizza. I'm like, but no. The Lord said, you've made finding your purpose an idol. I was like, you're right. I have. To your point, Kelsey, we idolize this hopeful statement of purpose. Actually, there's so much more in process. And if there's life on it, that's really a great indicator that you're walking in the direction he's calling you to, right? Absolutely. And in this, neither you or I are saying, don't go ask God and keep on knocking at his door for a career. The thing is that when He honors your asking, seeking, and knocking in his time and in his way. You will see, wow, how joyous is this gift from God. But also, I realize that you are my very great reward, Lord. Not this work, because this work isn't my God. It will still bring me joy, but also bring me sorrow. There is fruitlessness and frustration in this life, but work in and of itself is not a curse. And especially because all things, whether it's our maintaining our health or our finances or our relationships or our careers, 
they're in a conduit to just knowing God and mm-hmm. relying on Him and furthering His kingdom. That's the point of all points here, is if we're not looking and gazing upon Jesus as our primary joy, our chief joy, our chief hope, our chief purpose, everything else becomes so much idolizing and idol worship, as it were. We're here for one reason, to glorify God. And we tend to lose sight of that in trying to answer some of these questions. And I've, I love the very simple directive, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, fill in the blank, will be added to you. But we mm-hmm. tend to seek the other things because it seems so critical. Absolutely. And I love that God is so gracious that even when, like I was saying earlier, there is inevitably some impurity in your motives or some idolization that's happening, or even if you were actively trying to go west when God is calling you east, just like Jonah, what do we see is that the Lord is the one that is establishing your steps with you and he will prevail and his kindness will be made apparent. Yes, it will. Now, turning toward your career now in coaching Mm -hmm. people into their job that they love, what have you found to be the biggest hurdle in people overcoming their fear of moving into that space? One very practical one is they'll express something that they would like to do or use to help people through the work of their hands or their minds. And they'll say, but I don't know what that job title is. I don't know if that makes any money. I I don't know anyone who does that. And this is where I think one of the biggest hurdles presents itself. It's not necessarily a lack of clarity. I do actually think that it's fairly simple for us to say what we'd really like. The thing is that we just don't know if that's a job or who's hiring. So where I come in and love to help people through is through that market research to give them a practical structure to explore the near infinite seeming amount of job options out there of which you probably have a three to five percent awareness of how many jobs there actually are. And so that's where I see my work as a career coach, in addition to just being an encourager, so they don't give up along the way. Because it's easy to get tired when you're putting yourself out there, pitching yourself as you're a newbie in this, maybe you're pivoting careers, and keep doing it until the door finally opens. Throw your shoulder into it. Don't give up. Those are the two things, just like tenacity to keep on going, but then also in the clarity process to help people realize that there probably is someone who's hiring for that. And here's what the job is called. And primarily, it's amazing. God, in his way, of course, uses relationships to show these things. So many of the people I support, they'll say, I've scrolled through all the pages of LinkedIn that I can muster. I've scrolled through Indeed. I've Googled. I've listened to podcasts. I've done the whole song and dance like I did, which is I listened to, like I said, so many TED Talks. And I still don't know if what I have as a vision on my mind and in my heart is really a job. And the thing is that I think it's important to get off of just scrolling and trying to discern through the internet and rather let God speak through people. So that's why I've seen it so much more impactful uh, when 
clients do informational interviews and really proactively, like, what's stopping you from having 30 different conversations with a varied types of professionals in your network saying, I don't know what this is called yet, but here's what I'm really looking for. Here's the kinds of tasks that I'm really talented at. Here's the way I'd like to help people through it. And here's the maybe market segment that I would really like to be in front of and serve. Who do you know who does something like that? Or what job titles do you know of that might even be a near match? Yeah, that's powerful. I find that people don't naturally do that, which is interesting. No, they want to get the answer on their own. Which, that just doesn't happen though. I (laughs) I mean, maybe sometimes, but it is humbling to our ego to really need to be dependent on other people and say, I don't know. I'm getting on the phone with you because I don't know and I need your help. Actually, people love to help you. Likely by reaching out to that person and getting on a short phone call with them, even if you do not know them personally and you just reached out to them cold on LinkedIn, you likely provided the most meaningful moment they'll have that day, maybe that week, because you allowed them to make an impression and an impact on your life. And people are so honored to be asked for their advice and what they think and what they've seen out there. And when you are just genuine and thankful, there's also a a high likelihood that they'll say, actually, I'll just connect you with that person I'm thinking of. Totally. That doesn't matter what you're describing. Yeah. And then what else happens? Also, I've seen plenty of clients get jobs, not even through applying. They never had to put a resume out there. It's just that they continued the relationship train. And eventually someone was like, you know what? You want to do that? I actually need help with this. Can I hire you? That's the best kind of referral is an internal referral. Exactly. And it's estimated that 70 to 85% of jobs are never posted online. And this proves my point that they're all filled through relationships, referrals, internal promotions, and transfers. How can people find out more about you, Kelsey? Oh, I would be honored if I could support you through the calledcareer.com is a place that you could find me. I also have a podcast, Answer the Call, and I put out as much helpful content that I can that keep asking, seeking, knocking, won't he do it? I kept on petitioning God in this way. I said, God, I know it is nothing to you to just give me this job I'm praying for. Can you please make it happen? I was trying in that and phrasing it that way just to acknowledge his power and his kindness and be honest about my exasperation at points. And he did it. So if the listener is feeling that way. Be reminded of the parable of the persistent widow. I believe it's Luke chapter 18, and it talks about the widow going up to an unrighteous judge in her town and banking on his door and petitioning him all the time. And he got so annoyed with her that he finally said, fine woman, here's your justice. And Jesus was saying, how much more would a righteous judge give you what you're audaciously asking for. How much more? As we finish, Kelsey, I'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please. Yes. God, thank you so much for your kindness that whatever the listener's heart is crying out for, that you care. And I love that at the end of that rainbow trail that you'll lead them on, that we'll all realize, according to your kindness, that you were the reward, you were the point, but you do honor the things that we're hoping for here on earth and sometimes in some ways. And for every dry season where we do not see that yet, 
would you please help us to delight in realizing that you are our hope and you're our reward that we could have right now. We don't need to wait. And so thank you that you have instilled specific talents and specific visions in this person who is listening. And I pray that you lead them and deploy them to the station and society that they are meant to serve in. And that through that station, they would be a light to so many others who see their joy, their purpose, and their delight in you like a tree planted by a stream that never runs dry, that we would also gladly invite other people into the experience of knowing you. I love you, God, and I thank you so much that you are our defender and you are the one that is always working things out for our good. And even like you say at the end of Genesis, and even for the saving of many lives. I love you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kelsey. Loved our conversation. (laughs) Likewise. Thank you for it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.